I had, uh, again, great mentors, uh, a guy, John Katzenbach, who's many say is sort of the father of culture. I got to work with him when I was at Booz Allen. He was, um, we actually got to write a couple of articles together. And he was the one that taught me it's actually, you can't change culture, you have to change behaviors. Behaviors change culture. Welcome back to Winning at Work, it's season three the podcast for the food and beverage and CPG world. I'm Jennifer Lee, Tony's new marketing sidekick and creative guru. I'll attempt to keep him on track as we discover the ideas and strategies behind all these different, better, and special brands. Oh, good luck keeping me on track, but I am really stoked to have you on the team, Jennifer. Your background in marketing and SEO and socials, we are going to have so much fun this year. We're going to be discovering the new brands here in 2023. It's all about functional, good for you, lifestyle brands. Those are trending. Those are the products that are gaining market share and really pulling away from those old legacy brands. We're going to have each and every one of those brands down on the podcast to talk to us, to share their ideas, their inspiration. So you, the entrepreneur, so you, the food and beverage and CPG professional can take these new ideas in and incorporate them into your business and into your life. Oh my gosh, Tony, I'm seriously so excited. I feel like I learn so much just from listening to older episodes. Well, that's why we're here. And if this is your first time here, I would recommend, look, go back, take the five episode challenge, pick a brand, pick a CEO, an entrepreneur, dive in, listen to what it is that they're teaching us. If you love the content, subscribe. We hope you're along with us for the journey each and every week. By the way, do you have a favorite brand in your market you would love for us to amplify on this national platform? Reach out to us on LinkedIn and stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey, it's Jennifer. We get it. Everyone hates hiring. Inspired by his guests, Tony created a novel talent acquisition program that attracts the hidden candidate market, the 70% of people that are not actively applying to jobs. Click on the attract link in the show notes to watch a demo. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It's Tony. You know, I don't think, I don't think I've told people this story, but my, my parents actually uh, met on Broadway. They are in show business. And when they moved out of New York and they came to Atlanta to open up their ballet studios, the first thing they'd do with me is not take me to the ballet studio. They would drop me off at my grandparents. And myself and my sister, we would show up at my grandmother's house every Saturday morning. I would smell the most incredible home-cooked spaghetti meal that grandma was making. And I'd go into the kitchen, and the, the meat and the sauce was just bubbling over, and it was her unique thing. And I have, I've discovered that there is a, a, a phrase for this. It's called um, scented memory, Right. And I am, I can't tell you how really excited I am, not only to talk about the growth of uh, Mama Mancini's with Adam Michaels, the CEO, but we're going to have a beer together today. Yes. So feel free to crack it. There you go. Crack it open. Boom. Boom. There it is. Cheers, my man. Cheers to you, my friend. Thank you. And super excited to really kind of get into a little bit about your backstory and the vision you have for 
a really just such a strong growing trend that's happening now in, in grocery stores. So, but before we get into that, I just have to understand how does an engineer <laughs> from the University of Pennsylvania end bio up in engineer. food and Bioengineer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. How? Why, why? How? How are you in food and beverage now? What? What's wrong with you? <laughs> my, my, uh, my friends and wife ask me that uh, often. Uh, no, I think I'm, uh, I think just a, a little lucky, I guess. Um, I'm lucky that I found my passion early. Um, so yes, I was a, uh, a bioengineer, um, in school. Um, not sure I, uh, use that immediately, but I really do believe I use the th- the thought process every day. So the way of thinking, the first principles, um, use every day. Well, what are uh, first principles? What's that? I think it's a lot of asking questions, right? It's a okay. lot of uh, logic. It's a lot of, um, you know, does that make sense? And ask questions to drive the answer. And I love data. I love analysis. But it's not just the the data, but rather it's, you know, I say it to my teams all the time. It's the what is the data. The so what, which is, you know, what's the insight but most importantly, and none of that creates value, it's the now what. Now, what are you going to do now that you have this information? People come to you all the time with, oh, here's just a spreadsheet. That doesn't create any value at all. So that's you know the, the early learning that I've been able to apply. I started at a company called Capital One, which I guess everyone probably has heard of now. When I started, I promise you, no one had ever heard of it. All my friends said... Where, where are you going? They're on uh, every other commercial. I promise you zero people knew about when I started back in the, the late 90s. Um, but that, you know, gave me a great uh, background. Very lucky. Um, and amazing mentors that I still speak with and, and could speak to you forever about mentorship because wherever I am today is because of them. Um, got to live abroad, lived in Europe for a number of years with Capital One. Uh, London, Paris, uh, there's something about, you know, having a newspaper subscription in another country. Um, got to do that, came back, spent a lot of time in Richmond, Virginia with Capital One, then uh, moved back to uh, New York City, went to business school in the city, and then found, uh, got to work at Booz Allen Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, a management consulting firm. And that long-winded is how I found my passion. My first project was in the food and beverage space and I have never uh, looked back since. So I very appreciative of the opportunities I have. And it's really where passion really lives because this is something that we're all eating, we're drinking. It, it's, it breeds that type of, that type of feel. Um, well, look, I'm very familiar with your brand, but for maybe those who maybe are just experiencing this for the first time, you want to give us just a kind of a, 30,000 foot view of, of the brand and, and kind of what your focus is and, and your vision. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mama Mancini's an Italian heritage brand, fresh, clean eating, um, became famous for our meatballs. So there really is a Dan Mancini. Actually, I was with him this morning. We get to have amazing meetings together. Uh, my favorite meeting of the month is this grandma quality meeting, which we just had around grandma tr- quality. It's important. We'll talk about it. But uh, uh, Italian heritage started with the meatballs, continued to expand into other products. 
we acquired a company, a couple companies last year that expanded the aperture of our offerings. And now the whole idea and their vision for us is to become this one-stop shop, uh, deli solutions provider. So close your eyes, any deli, whether it be at your local Publix or Costco or Stop and Shop, wherever you are, behind the glass, in the hot bar, in the prepared food section, in the grab-and-go section, we, uh, we do all of that. And the whole idea is, can we make it easier for our, cons- our customers, being the retailers, and our consumers, because there is a trust in quality of our brand, we can provide it all. You want a meatball? We got that. Sausage peppers? You don't like that? How about chicken? We make balsamic chicken and lemon chicken. You don't like chicken? Why don't you try a sandwich? You don't like sandwiches? Try a salad. You want grilled vegetables? We have it all. You want olives? The whole idea is one-stop shop deli solution. Fresh, clean eating. You are literally right at the inflection point of all the things that we've been seeing happening right now. It's like the old traditional grocery store and food service, they're kind of melding together now. And the lines are kind of blurred. And you're right in the middle of that, in that ready to serve, ready to eat category now. Yeah. I, you know, another thing that I learned early, I think it's like an old Warren Buffett quote, which I won't quote because I'll get it wrong. But the whole idea is that uh, it's way better to ride a trend than try to create a new one or go against a trend. And the job I had, I was so fortunate for almost 10 years to work at uh, Mondelez, Nabisco. Um, the last role I had was MA, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But the job before that is I got to lead, had the honor to lead our uh, consumer insights and analytics within North America. So I was respond. I truly, my only job was to be the mouthpiece for my 330 million friends in the US. So for three years, my only job was to understand the consumer and, you know, riding the wave of fresh, clean, uh, easy to prepare. No one has any time anymore. I want a clean label. Um, That's exactly, you know, the perimeter of the store. You couldn't do better than the deli. And Again, particularly quality, you know, you could go to a restaurant today, particularly with, unfortunately, inflation and everything. You get yourself a chicken Parmesan, you know. I don't know. 20 20 bucks. bucks. Right. 15, 20 dollars. Tip, tax, a glass of wine, taxi there, taxi back, 20, 30 dollars. You could have gone to a Broadway show for that. (laughs) um, Instead, you get the same quality. Oh, sorry, Dan would yell at me. Grandma quality. Grandma quality. For $9.99. So significant savings and, and maintaining, if not exceeding the quality. Well, how apropos that I opened up with my grandma story. I, I promise I you, you people, we, did not, we really? did not have that planned. Oh, man, that is, that's exactly uh, what Dan's all about, what our whole company is all about. Yeah, Absolutely. well, I was just trying to get a vibe of, you know, of the company and, and the culture. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. But when I just started thinking about just the, the fresh and authentic and, um, you know, meatballs, I literally just kind of flashed back to, to my grandmother and thought that. So are there just what other trends are though are you seeing that are happening in grocery or with consumers right now? You touched on it a little bit. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I think, 
you know, it's, uh, again, it's unfortunate, right? Uh, you know, uh, recessionary pressures, whatever words you want to use, make it more and more difficult. Um, what happens is the, the first thing is, and I mentioned earlier, people are actually moving away from restaurants, right? They're eating out to eating at home, right? That's a, a good way to start saving some money. So that's sort of the first phase of a, of a recession, what you see. And, and that that's creates a, a tailwind for us, uh, you know, I guess, unfortunately. The second phase uh, of this, this recessionary uh, trends or uh, pressures is what happens is people move from branded items to private label. So I'm sure you're reading in the paper, just like I am, the fastest growing part of, of, of the store these days are private label. Uh, stores are doing more of it. I read an article yesterday that uh, they did a survey, um, 40 percent, 40 plus percent of people are buying more private label than they were just six months ago. What's more interesting to me was more than 70 percent of those people say they're not going back. So when you and I were kids, I'm sure, you know, I was unhappy. Well, we don't date ourselves. Just we don't date ourselves. It, so. Let's just, you've yeah. already thrown one date out, so right. be careful. That's a cardinal rule in the podcast. Yeah, we, don't, we don't date ourselves. We don't date ourselves. Um, okay. When but. I was a child, you know, my mom got us, you know, the private label stuff because that's, that's what we could afford. Uh, and you knew the quality associated with it. Today, retailers first of all we all know who's making the private label it's the same companies it's the same exactly um, and and the quality is you know the same if not better so this second phase around people move from branded to private label again one thing that's interesting about our company is our legacy mama's business we have a couple businesses uh, but the legacy mama's business is about 50/50 branded and private label that is huge for us why is it huge it's huge because all the people that are moving to private label, shh, they're moving to right. us too, right? We win <laughs> right. both ways. And it and still tastes great. You it know? still tastes great. And by the way, you know, I make my CFO happy because actually our margins are actually roughly the same between brand and private label. That's another unique thing about us. Um, so this move from, you know, uh, branded to private label is probably the second phase. And then the third phase you hope not to get to is as recessionaries continue, recessions continue, people just start to eat less. And hopefully we don't get to that. We, we let the monetary and fiscal policy do their work. But uh, yeah, so those two, you know, that's what I'm tracking every day, understanding the trends in uh, the marketplace. Yeah, it really has to let up. You know, it is, there's so much pressure right now on the consumer. I mean, my heart really does go out to them. It's okay to be well positioned. I mean, you just happen to be well positioned. You're not taking advantage of it. You are just smartly yeah. positioned in the grocery store, in the deli to be there, as you say, riding that wave, riding that that trend that, that Buffett had talked about. Now, when it comes to marketing and positioning, what would you say over your career in the way brands go about this, what are you finding is like the most effective way to kind of go to market and, and kind of promote these different brands? I think you kind of touched on it. I'm kind of curious if you want to expand on that at all. Yeah, I think there, first of all, I, I learned back in my, uh, my Booz Allen days that, you know, we used to talk about uh, way to play and right to win. So I, you know, I think the first thing I would actually say is that there is no one way to play. You just have to connect kind of your strategy to kind of your operations. You know, for for the work that I've done in the past and I'm doing now, 
Uh, I am just incredibly passionate about quality, uh, quality of the product, quality of servicing our customers. And I, I just put a, uh, I'm a strong believer if you have a great product, um, it's going to work for you. And if you let up even a little bit, everything falls apart. So the first one, you know, for me is about quality and, and service levels. I think the second thing for me is people, consumers are looking for fresher, cleaner ingredients. So again, I could talk about my meatloaf for the balsamic chicken. You know, you're, you're talking. Please to me don't. About these. It's lunchtime. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking on an empty stomach, so please. <laughs> you were talking about the meatballs. Literally, without exaggeration, our meatballs have six ingredients. Literally, ground beef, pecorino romano cheese, breadcrumbs, onions, parsley. Just the way grandma, grandma made it. So for, for us, it is about – I think consumers are really looking for fresher, cleaner ingredients. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a – not a naysayer on healthy – but I think for the long term, people have to enjoy what they eat. They could eat cleaner. I don't think they just – I just don't believe they could eat kale all day long. Um, right. And, and again, I, we, I was discussing this with another functional brand and the, and the thought was you can build the best functional brand you want. If it doesn't taste good, you're – Absolutely. You're gone. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, and, you know, the third thing is there, there is this connection to uh, kind of how we grew up, this sort of nostalgia that, you know, you spoke about these scented memories. This is real. Again, there really is uh, a Mama Mancini. Unfortunately, she's not with us today, but Dan is. And consumers want to connect. I'll, I'll tell you a super quick story. Again, back uh, a couple of years ago in the beginning of COVID, uh, when I was working at, at Mondelez and Nabisco, um, we saw a huge run up of these, you know, I don't know if you even remember these Lorna Dune cookies and uh, some of these older brands that uh, you, you grew up with, even, you know, Oreos. And what was happening was people were unsure, right? They, they, they didn't know what was going on and they just wanted a little bit of safety. And, you know, <laughs> I remember when my mom gave me those, you know, three Oreo cookies before I went to bed at night with a glass of milk, and that makes me feel better. So I think this connection to nostalgia, this connection to what I remember eating growing up is something that really um, has an impact in general on how you eat, how consumers engage with the brands. People are using brands as badges, right? You are what you eat legitimately. So, um, you know, I remember when, you know, Starbucks first came out, this is a hundred years ago, but, you know, people would literally carry that Starbucks cup all day long. They would have refilled it with like Maxwell house, but they have to be connected. <laughs> Just, yes. To the it's brand. The yes. It's the lifestyle brand. Yeah, it's the it's extension of, yeah. of them. Without a doubt. So I think, yeah. you know, I think it's, again, I'm very lucky because I truly believe where Mama Mancini's is, is where uh, the consumer is and where it continues to go on the perimeter of the store, fresher, cleaner, healthier. That's what really works. See, it seems though that you really are in a nostalgia brand just because of the origin. This is not just some, hey, you, let's you create. You can't make it up. That's what I'm saying. You can't make it up. So how do you, so this, a lot of food and beverage people listen to this. So in your opinion, Knowing that that is a not just a trend, it is it's a it's a human quality. 
How does a company try to capture that? So it's funny. I don't know if this is the uh, the, the answer, you know, the, the right answer, but I don't I don't know if you could fake it. Sorry, you could try to fake it. I think you're going to eventually get caught. You're going to so, be seen. So there is something about if you go back and again, I think I mentioned the last the last role I had at uh, my last company was I got to, I had just about the coolest job in the whole world. I got to help lead our ventures business. So there are about half a dozen businesses that I was well, able- Well, that does sound really cool. It was absolutely the coolest. I mean, you know, if you promise not to tell anyone, I would have done the job for free. They were just suckers for even paying me. I would have taken the job for free. But I got to, I, you know, I got to do the end to end. I got to find these companies. I got to acquire these companies. I got to be there with the companies every step of the way as we- achieved our growth targets. But you look at the companies, you know, the more I think about it, I, I kept buying the same company over and over again. And I would even tell you that Mama Mancini's is just another company I would have bought if Mondelez was in the deli space. You know, you think of uh, Perfect Snacks is a refrigerated nutrition bar. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but you, you can't fake that story, right? It's uh, <laughs> it was 11 brothers and sisters, you, you literally can't fake it. It doesn't matter who you are. You're not going to be able to tell the story of Bill and Lee Keith and their family and it being in the bus. Um, you think of uh, Hugh Chocolate. I don't know if you've heard of Hugh Chocolate, another brand that uh, made an initial investment in and then acquired for, for Mondelez. You know, Jason and Jordan, you just can't fake it right? This really is a story to them. It's something part of their lives when they present it to buyers. Again, with, you know, going back to Dan with, with uh, Mama Mancini's, Dan is actually on QVC. I don't know if you've ever seen him do it. I haven't, but I'm going to go look for him now because I understand he's out there selling, Again, selling the brand. You can't fake it. It just resonates with consumers. He goes to buyer meetings. Look, there's other parts Actually, there's more than Italian food now. And, right, you right. know, we have a, an amazing team. But very specifically to your question, I don't know if you could fake it. I, I truly believe you want to, as a company, you have a story that's authentic. That's the word. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you dri driving that point home. It, it just has to be your genuine, authentic story and the right people, the right audience it needs to resonate with. And then you can just amplify that message Absolutely. Yes. whenever you, you know, very much you so. can. You mentioned your, uh, in your past life, you got involved in many acquisitions and you, um, you also got to spend a lot of time looking at how consumers behave. I think that gives you a lot of insight too, into people just in general, right? And as you're in your role now and you've got X number of people, you know, across multiple departments, as you grow, how are you maintaining culture? Do you have any philosophies around maintaining, strengthening? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. I think it's actually one of the most important parts of a, a leader's uh, responsibility. Yes, I have to hit my sales numbers. Yes, I have to make sure the operations run, the plant uh, makes the widgets. But it's the the culture, I think, that... Uh, that's going to make or break you, uh, at the end of the day, I'm very lucky. I had, uh, again, great mentors, uh, a guy, John Katzenbach, who's many say is sort of the father of culture. I got to work with him when I was at Booz Allen. He was, um, 
we actually got to write a couple of articles together. And he was the one that taught me it's actually, you can't change culture. You have to change behaviors. Behaviors change culture. So directly to your question, you know, it's one of the first things that I've done since I uh, came to Mom Mancini's. You know, I found opportunities for improvement <laughs> when I got here. Um, and the biggest one is we weren't rowing the boat together. We were all we all had different um, targets. We all had different. We were uh, bonused on different elements of the business. And what was literally happening was some guy was rowing to the right, and at the same time, and a guy, another guy was rowing to the, uh, you know, right and left. Um, and I think the first thing we did, so we now have, it was never happening before, but we now have a every a Monday morning leadership team meeting. So we get into the room together, we share what's going on, we take decisions and actions in that meeting. We don't leave until that's done. And then we're all for the week. We start the meeting with, you know, how is the weekend? And we end the meeting with, what's your week ahead? Everybody knows what everyone else is doing because that means that we're rowing the boat together. And I think for me, that's one of the most important things that we gain alignment with a common goal, a common vision. And we're all compensated on the same thing. So the way, uh, you know, for us, Everybody we have, and it's maybe a little heavy, but we have six, each of us have six goals that drive our compensation. The first three are team goals. All seven of us on the leadership team have the exact same goals. There's right. So let me say it again. We all have the same goals. So those first three, and then the other three are individual goals. Obviously, my COO has different types of goals than my CFO, uh, etc. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, a little long-winded. Nothing more important than culture. It, it's uh, super important, and I, I'm glad you're. I'm, I'm really glad, honestly, that you're being so transparent about it because. I've seen a lot. I've talked a lot about this. Not always on the podcast because it can be a little soft. It's hard for people to make it practical to their own organization, but you did say it's about changing behaviors. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. kind of what that looks like? Yeah, no, I think, um, again, I spoke to one of them already, which is transparency. So I think in the past, um, everybody had their fiefdoms and, and if I, you know, knowledge is power. So if I, you know, hold back information. I'm going to be more powerful than you, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of protecting you know, your domain. Yep. If so, you know what I do, then you don't need me. That's the exactly. worst attitude to have. Exactly. So the first one for me is that, that behavior of transparency. Everyone knows everything. I, there is very little that I know. Actually, you could probably, again, my wife would tell you, you could just stop right there. <laughs> but, I knew you were There's very, really very good. little that I know that I'm not telling the team because we're a team. It, like There's no way I'm successful if my team's not and vice versa. So I think one piece is about uh, uh, transparency. Um, I think, you know, the other one that we, and, and I, I, again, I do that by example, right? I, right, I you're modeling those, that. Right, you know. It's almost too cliche, but that sort of servant leadership. But I am that guy that's, that runs alongside my team. So I, I'm not yeah. a, a leader from the back or from the front. I, like, I'm right there with you. So, you know, 
one very specific thing, and again, lots of people make fun of me about, but I think it makes me who I am. I try to do every job in the company. So literally last week at 10 o'clock at night, I got to the office, one of my office, one of our uh, facilities in Long Island, and I literally packed the trucks for the next morning. So I spent, you know, is this four another hours. episode of Undercover Boss? Holy smokes! <laughs> I think we've got something here. Yeah, no, I'm doing it very selfishly because I want to have empathy for every role. I, I got, you know, the month before, got up at three o'clock in the morning and did route rides. Uh, you know, when I was again at uh, at Nabisco, we spent the entire day. I swear on my life, on my back with I swear it was like an Oral B. I'm sure it wasn't, but I think it was toothbrush, cleaning the underside of the Oreo lines. There is, I believe, I trust you had a mask on. <laughs> I had a mask on it was because it was coming. <laughs> that's all an my, image. All that's, all the, stuff was that's coming an on image. my face. Gained thirty um, pounds in one day. Right. Um, yeah, I, I you I, I yeah, that's a great quality. You can't well, tell it, to do something if you haven't done it yourself. Well, and it does give you well, it's very real, it's transparent, and it's it is frankly, it's a style of leadership. Um, and you touched on servant leadership. Um, have you seen the inverted V, which is called the Freedom V? Okay. No, I don't think so. This was part of the servant leadership training that I went through. Okay. So imagine you know, the normal hierarchy is a pyramid, Yeah. right? So the leader's at the top and everything kind of flows down. But when you do the inverted pyramid, the CEO's at the bottom yeah. and the CEO serves the VPs. Yeah. The VPs serve the directors and Absolutely. so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is the, the basis of it. So the most important person is at the top of the funnel. Yeah. The very, very top, which is whoever was there with you with the oral B, whoever yep. was with you you know, packing boxes. Don't get and, me in trouble. I'm sure it wasn't Oral B. It was like Colgate or something. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. Wink, wink. There you go. Um, I mean, we could probably spend a lot of time on this, but I think um, the vibe that I'm really getting from you is just, you are fully involved, fully invested in just in all the aspects really of the business. And that's trying to just how you personally feel that's the best way to operate and run a team and run a company. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so for people who want to go out and try and get this nostalgia meatball that we've been killing people with that they can't sample it here, you know, over the air, what's the best way for them to get out and kind of sample this and, get, and give it a try? The beauty is we're, uh, we're a national brand. So we're everywhere. So, you know, depending on where you are, if you're in the Northeast, you could, uh, you know, it's at Costco right now. Actually, it's also at Costco in the Pacific Northwest, and it's in the Midwest right now. BJ's, so all the club stores, Sam's, we have all that. Um, all the grocery stores. You're in the Southeast. Publix is a huge customer of ours, and it's in multiple places. You could get it in the fresh meat section, sleeves. You could get it at the – we have these pasta bowl kits. We have – actually, behind the glass, we actually have – the, the biggest um, public sells these uh, meatball subs. Yeah. That we are, we're the exclusive meatball, nice. the meatball subs. I, th I was told, I can't believe this, but it, if I was told, I'm sure it's true, right? There's no fake news out there. Um, oh, no, there's no sell, fake news. There's none. They sell more meatball subs than actual Subway does. That's okay, how yeah, big that's, Publix is. Well, but the pub sub is pretty popular. When I moved up here to Western North Carolina, we entered into a food desert. Mm. So that's not good. 
No, it's not good because no I left fresh my- market by you. It's I thought fresh market's big in North Carolina. Yeah, well, <clears throat> not so if much. I if I told you where I was in North Carolina, <laughs> right? I'm not over near Asheville and Charlotte. Uh, okay, um, I'm in the mountains. Um, okay. absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. And the fishing, the hiking, all the things we do is fantastic. But I'm gonna have to drive a little farther to get to Mama Mancini's. Fre- Fresh market's good, stop and shop, Yahold, Albertsons. Uh we're we're just about everywhere, which is uh which is wonderful. Well, I think Adam, we probably could uh schedule a secondary podcast to to follow up on you know, all the great things that you're planning, your vision for the year. I know, I think I was reading somewhere too, where uh, you mentioned olives. I think uh, pizza is also maybe another. We're getting there. I mean, Dan, Dan there. definitely made pizzas with his grandmother. If nothing there yet, but uh, it's certainly uh, an easy, I get to taste it. Remember, I tell you these grandma quality meetings, I'm, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, what is that? You, we didn't, uh, we, we left people hanging. Uh, What's the, it what is good. Of? We'll finish so once, up with grandma. So so once a month, at least, but once a month, Dan, Chef uh, chef Chris is our head of R&D, our, our uh, executive chef, and I get together. We actually just had our meeting, um, and we do really two or three things. One, we're always tasting our existing products to make sure they're grandma quality, right? That's number one. Second thing is we try new things that uh, Chef Chris has been uh, making for us. We have uh, oh, some, you're some killing me again. Good, I'm telling you this. This was good. So we had some uh, General Tso's chicken. We had oh. some uh, fajitas. Um, we had uh, actually he made this uh, chicken bacata for us. You don't um, literally have to go out and eat. Like this is the one day that you're like. <sighs> You're not packing your lunch. Again, I'm telling you, as long as my board is not listening right now, I would do this job for free. Like, you guys are suckers. <laughs> you totally should have taken this job. Exactly. Um, I have to pretend, oh, I love the, you know. I love the passion. Yeah, you have to pretend it's a grind. It right. is a grind. It is. A, but listen, as you know, food is, is, is a very, very, very challenging business. And uh, the world needs good companies. You know, with good people, with good values, you know, providing those good food, good food to us. We really do. You know, we do yeah. do need it. Um, Adam, great talking to you today. No, thank you so much for making the time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll have to do a, we'll do a follow up and we'll see uh, maybe maybe I'll come down and we'll we'll talk to grandma. Well, we'll do the whole the whole meeting, you know, you are, you are always and, welcome. And let me and, and let me kind of be part of this. All right. You thanks so it. much for being here today. Adam. Thank you again, Tony. Bye.